It's time for building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. Tabletop game design. The the end of the episode that's when it technically ends hello and welcome to building the game a documentary podcast today is monday november 14th and you're listening to episode 546 as always i am your host jason here today joined by first time uh first time guest not first time game designer uh game designer roberta taylor designer of creature comforts uh other games and the upcoming maple valley from kids table uh board games so hey roberta how you doing I'm doing pretty good, thanks. Yeah, it's good to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you. Great to have you on the show. Uh, I'm a big, big fan of your game, Creature Comforts. I've heard of other games that you've designed that I haven't had a chance to check out yet. But um, yeah, I when I first saw uh, Creature Comforts come on to Kickstarter, I, I sent Helena a message, and I said, "It's literally like you designed." the game for me and she said that's not possible because we designed it for me <laughs> i was like we have similar taste in games elena that's so awesome. um so yeah i it's uh i'm really excited to have you on how how have uh how have things been going for you you know really good i i made the leap from board game designing and the cracks and working full-time to doing board games full-time this summer and it's awesome terrifying and wonderful i'm having a great time it's um it was it was sort of that like if i don't try this i'll kick myself forever and and now's the time so you know, I, I did that and it's been really interesting just seeing how different the process is when I have all the bandwidth instead of just mm-hmm, what I'm left mm-hmm. with after everything else. So, yeah, I'd yeah. say it's pretty good. With that with that transition, what is the I'm curious what the because I, I did that as well to where I I do some coaching for people. But then also I, I you know, I focus mostly you I mean, a lot of my time, at least half my time on board games and. Uh, because I make my own schedule, you know, I mean, it's really board games whenever I want it to be, right? Which is the same situation you're in. For you, what was that change like? Um, you know, going from trying to find the spare time to do it to doing it, you know, essentially full time. Uh, I'm just curious if if there were any unique challenges for you in that from a from a work perspective. It, it took me a while to stop feeling guilty for not being busy every waking moment because <laughs> right? the problem with switching to a creative thing full time is it doesn't change how creativity works. So, <laughs> yep. y- you know, you can sit and stare at the screen and work really hard for a couple hours, but you come to a point where you have to let your brain do the work in the background. And mm-hmm. and so, especially at the beginning, I started scheduling like going to the museum or going to the art gallery or going for a bike ride into my day because mm-hmm. that's part of being creative. But it mm-hmm. it wasn't intuitive because we're such a uh, we're so used to having to be like busy and account for every minute. So yep, yep, that was a challenge to get my brain to calm down. No, no, we're doing what we need to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, that was different. Cool, cool. I'm just, I'm just always curious. You know, I, I know that it's an odd transition to make, and uh, I, I found when I did it, one of the things that I felt guilty about was, you know, my last job in the morning, I'd like pop in and 
I'd spend some time online reading news and stuff and, you know, like not necessarily working. And when I first started working for myself, it was like, I didn't do that because I was like, oh, no, you're working now. And I thought, well, that's really funny that now that, now that I have to earn my keep, like without just having a guaranteed paycheck, uh, you find yourself being like, I need to focus more on on this. And I feel guilty for that. But but you're absolutely right that creativity does. I mean, it works how it works. Right. And um, and so, yeah, I, I purposely try to schedule time in my day to work on different facets of game design, some of which take like no brain power. And then I'll listen to like an audiobook to try to distract myself while I'm doing something like graphic designing, some prototype stuff or something real, you know, something really that doesn't take a lot of brain power. Mm-hmm. Um, and that yeah. really, really makes a difference. You're right. Yeah, no, if you can't switch between different types of projects, you need to walk away and do something else. Cause yep. Yep. You know, it, otherwise you just end up being frustrated. And and then like the next day I'll go for a walk and I'll have, I'll have the next chunk of ideas that I needed. Like it's, it's pretty right, reliable right. that the brain works on it and, and, but trusting that process is, is really um, odd to, to get used to, I guess. It is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you, do you primarily work on your own? Do you design with other people or? I work pretty much um, solo, f- mainly just due to location that that I am. Right, right. Know, I'm in I'm in northern Alberta, but also I actually haven't had an opportunity come up to work with someone. That's mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. I think it would be really cool. Um, and I've really enjoyed working with the folks at Kids Table Board Games on development. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're brilliant at that. And they are. They are. Every time we sit down and look at a game, I learn so much. But I think about it, and I think, yeah, and and I mean, they're exceptional. But also, every time you sit down with someone else, you learn from them. And so that's where mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know I think it would be really cool to to do something like that. But but to this point, for the most part, I've I've designed alone. Um, or like for publishers who have a specific vision. And so I'll work on it, come back to them and then they'll look at it, give me feedback and I'll go back and sort of iterate. Um, Right, right, right. But not like actual like co-designing. Right. Well, and what you're describing actually works the same as what I was thinking was that I'll purposely to schedule meetings with different co-designers or people that I've worked with or I'm working with to break up the day, to give you that little bit of like, let's chit chat back and forth. Sometimes for me, it's recording a podcast during the day just so that I can have some interaction because I think <laughs> that it's really easy when you're working on a project, um, whether it's with someone or by yourself, if you're by yourself when you're doing it, um, you can get very, you know, just in your own head about it and not, um, yeah. And that can just be tough, I find. So oh, yeah. I try to break that up too, you know. <laughs> I I designed several games throughout the pandemic. And so not only are you working alone, you're not even playtesting in person. And mm-hmm. and, yeah, yeah. and it's it's just so much harder than when you can sit down around a table and have that more natural conversation and uh, observe people and everything. So yeah, that was its own set of isolation. It was really challenging. Right, right, right. Well, gosh, and where you are, obviously... I don't know how big of uh, of a town it is you live in or a city. Um, Northern Alberta makes me think not super big. <laughs> Edmonton's a million people, so oh, it, it is. 
Yeah, it's it's oh fairly big, but it's it's I always laugh. It's the littlest big city on the planet. <laughs> like I lived here for like a year and a half and I started meeting people in one place I knew through a different way. And it's like that all the time. It's really weird. <laughs> Interesting. Wow. I would not have pegged a city that far north for being that as big as it is. I mean, like I live in a city of 250,000 people. And like for me, like that's a good sized city, like a million people. That's that's a lot of that's a lot of people. Wow. All right. Yeah. It's also the biggest city per capita for square for square kilometers in the world. So like the least dense physically city so oh it doesn't that's nice that tracks have, well it isn't it isn't right because there's this like you have to i have friends i almost never see because i don't i don't own a car and it's like three buses in a 20 minute walk to get to their place because the right, city's right. so big oh, that's but hey, yeah yeah it's beautiful so we'll take it <laughs> right right that's yeah i learned something new today it was when we were talking beforehand i was joking that because I live in America and we have the worst education system. Uh, like geog- world geography is something we're not good at. Um, but I was I was joking when you said Edmonton. I was like, I think I know where exactly where that is. And I was right. But uh, I would not have guessed that it was that, that, it was that big. Um, that's pretty cool. I learned something very new today. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, we have uh, a fun topic to talk about today that I'm pretty excited about. Um, this was a topic I had, when I reached out to you about having you on, I had um, heard Maple Valley was coming out um, and I had reached out to Helena and said, Hey, I would love to have Roberta on. Um, so she uh, linked us up so we could do that. And uh, we started talking about topics. And one of the topics you suggested was cozy games. Um, and that was something that, you know, I've heard of the term like cozy mysteries or like, you know, like when it comes to books and things like that, or like movies, but not knowing the definition of that, when you said cozy games, I knew exactly what you meant, right? It just, <laughs> it just tracks. Um, what I didn't expect was, so I, you know, in, in planning for this episode, I, I did some looking up and stuff of like top cozy games. And what I found was a lot of those games are, are games that I really enjoy, um, some of my wife and I's favorites. And I thought, well, that, that, that tracks because those are the type of games we like. So I thought we'd start with just the definition that board game geek gives to cozy games, um, which is not something you had actually seen either. Uh, and I just looked it up because I was just kind of curious how they defined it. And, and here's what they said. Uh, cozy games are relaxed, pleasant games meant to be fun, perhaps a little competitive, um, but mostly nice. They have gentle themes and engaging presentation, gentle themes, engaging presentation. They're welcoming or welcoming plus in weight, um, which, you know, as I also think of as I think of as gateway and gateway plus. But somehow when referring to cozy games, welcoming and welcoming plus <laughs> sounds like a better sounds like a better description, right? <laughs> That's very cute. Yes. Um. So, yeah, is that, I mean, having not read that definition, but having designed um at least you know one game well two now um i'm i don't know your other games if those you would consider in the cozy games category but obviously um creature comforts falls into that mm-hmm. um and i'm assuming yeah. maple valley does as well absolutely yeah so creature comforts um was a redesign of an earlier project that i had well game that i had worked on for years and and when I came to the redesign, I very specifically 
took as my challenge, I had re- I had encountered the concept of cozy games in video games, which is where yes, it really yeah. gained mm-hmm. traction first. Right. So, you know, Animal Crossing, Stardew yep. Valley, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And um, I had um, run into um, uh article written by a bunch of game devs about what is coziness in games and what does that look like specifically for video games and i was like hey like most of this stuff can apply to board games too and so um their definition of coziness is um talking about a game that evokes the fantasy of safety abundance and softness Um, yeah 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 which which is a really great lens and and so i i took those ideas and so some of the core things in video games that sort of you expect in a cozy game are things like you don't take stuff away from players um which sounds really obvious but actually when you start looking at games that's not very common to have a game where you don't lose things at some point Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um yeah and um you know avoiding um blocking so that you can't sit in a place someone else wants like just so people can't play dog in a manger or things like that um as as well as the whole aesthetic and just the te- that storytelling in such a, a a gentle way um but it's interesting because in the video game world i recently played a game by a studio that does cozy games um called boyfriend dungeon where you uh-huh. it's a dungeon crawler with the weapons are like also people and you can date them it's really weird but <laughs> it's interesting to see how they took this to something that doesn't on the surface look um completely um cutesy or whatever like it's you know where because my instinct at first was like well that wouldn't make sense to have like a dungeon crawler but they they were sort of like oh i bet we could (laughs) and i think that to me is what's so interesting about you know when you think of different game types and different you know styles and things is how can i take this thing and apply it to this other thing right um i one of the the, first of all, I want to make a comment about Animal Crossing and the fact that Animal Crossing is definitely a cozy game. But if you've ever played New Horizons, then you know that the tarantulas and scorpions, not cozy. Like you're like, I'm just wanted to. Ah! And then there's like this thing chasing you, trying to like bite you and knock you out. Um, but uh, anyways, uh, my daughter, we found this game for her. She's eight and she like she is the epitome of the cozy gamer like she mostly plays indie games she doesn't like games with fighting and we found the coolest game and she's learning the hard way unfortunately that if you like indie games you're gonna wish that there were more indie games that were longer because indie Mm. games are generally very short um and uh those one she found is called unpacking oh Um, yes i've heard uh, of that i don't know if you've played that or not i have it uh, but i've looked at it oh my gosh it's it's well worth the price. I don't remember what it was, but it wasn't that expensive, but it was, I enjoyed watching her play it. And you go through like 10 years of this person's life by different places they're living. And every situation you're trying to figure out like what, like, Oh, Oh, they they're with this person now. Oh, that's different. Or, Oh, this same object has been, been between every single place they've ever lived. Right. Oh, now they're using it like this. Oh, that's so cool. And so it's just, um, it's great. And she was super sad when she was done with it because it was so fulfilling <laughs> and you can go do it again, but like, it's not the same, right? Cause you're kind of discovering mm-hmm. this story. Um, so, so yeah, that was, that was my most recent experience with something like that. Um, and there's like, there's this video game called cozy Grove, uh, 
which is less cozy than it than it feels like. It's like, I, it it's called Cozy Grove, but it's it, I don't know. It it didn't it didn't hit the mark for me as much as some of the others have. But well, it's it's interesting because you know it, it's the same thing I think that we saw that happened with the with the idea of gamification. You know, fifteen, ten, fifteen years ago, where mm-hmm. where all these um, companies were looking. Well, how can we gamify learning? How can we gamify customer experiences? And and there's ways to do that that actually work and are really cool. And then there's just like trying to give people imaginary points for something. And like, there's so many bad implementations of it where someone kind of got a hold of part of the idea, um, but didn't (laughs) think about the whole thing or or didn't care or whatever. But I think with cozy games, it's not enough to just have a really sweet theme or really cute art um, because, you know, you can, you can have um, it, the gameplay can still be like really cutthroat or, or really, yeah, yeah, you know, the yeah. ability for there to be like backstabby or take that or any of those types right, of things. Right. And, and so, you know, I don't think you could just look at the covers of, of some of these games and, and know if, if they would sort of fit that vibe or not. Um, right. Yeah. That's a really good point is that I think that a lot of the cozy games do have that nice artwork but that does not a cozy game make just yeah. by having it. Plus some of the, like I, one of my favorite games that was listed as a cozy game. And I, at first I was like, really? And then I thought about it more and I was like, oh no, is Taverns of Tiefenthal, which is one of my all time favorite games. And all you're doing is just running a tavern and right. people come in every night. There's no direct competition in the game other than trying to score more points in the end than your opponent mm-hmm. did. And, and you don't really care if you don't win because you build this bar and it's fun, right? Right. The way everything upgrades is fun. And so. Yeah. And that's exactly it. That's brilliant actually, because it it is such a, um, it's so satisfying to put something like that together. Like your little, Mm -hmm. your little world that you've created here in your little tavern or whatever it is. Right. And what I love about the, the cozy games that do it well are, Cause I think one of the things that I've struggled with when I look back at some games I've played that would probably fall into this realm are, are things like that. It's like with an engine building game. Cause I think that actually fits well with a cozy game is like where you're just slowly building up things, you know, to give yourself better stuff. And uh, it's very fulfilling. Right. But uh, like when you, some of those games understay their welcome to the point where I've just built up this thing and now the game's over, right? Right. Like, you don't get that satisfaction of, like... I Honestly, when I think of a non-cozy video game that falls into that is Slay the Spire or something like that. I think is a great example of, like, I'm playing this game. Oh, my gosh. Look, I made my character so cool and unbeatable. And now it's over. And now I have to start back over again. Right. And that is... I think I'm just going to go to bed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um so, yeah, well, so, and yeah, it's interesting yeah. when you're designing a game because you don't you don't want it to overstay its welcome, but there is that right. sense of you know you want to leave them wanting more, but not sad it ended. Like it's an it's a really interesting mm-hmm. tension, and I think that depending on the type of experience you want players to have, you might end that game in two different places. You know, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, you might let them run that engine a bit longer if you're looking for that real feeling of satisfaction and it's a gentler mm-hmm. game. Whereas if you've created something a little more aggressive, whether it's just that that engine ramps up really hard or whatever, well, then you can end mm-hmm. up with like a runaway leader. You can end up with people just finding it like, oh, this game should have ended two rounds ago. And and so, you know, 
every time we talk about making a game, it's always like, well, what is, what is the experience I'm trying to create here? Yeah. And, yeah. and always coming back to that because those decisions might both be right, but only one of them is going to end me up in that really sweet spot I'm trying to go with, you know, whether it's a cozy game or whether it's less, just sort of more g- generic, whatever right, type right. of experience. That's a good point. That's a good point. When you're, if you're thinking about, you know, like this next game, I'm going to like, I mean, I would say like, say with Maple Valley, you know, what, what are the things that you really think about going into that to say, what are the boxes that I'm going to specifically focus on checking when designing this game? Or do you not do that? Do you just say, I'm going to go for this vibe and see what happens? I usually try really hard to, to um, know what game I'm making first. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. because it just, you know, I always compare it to, I don't know if you ever had that in elementary school where your teacher said, you get to write a story mm-hmm. and it sounded really cool until you tried to write it. And then you're like, wait, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what to do. Where as soon as your teacher says, you have to write a story about walking home in the dark. Well, now I can write that story. Right. Yep. So now you know what it, you need to say. Yeah. Nothing's changed as far as how I, you know, when I approach a game. So, you know, with Maple Valley, it's like, yeah, we need to have the same setting. We need to have um, the same mm-hmm. audience. We want the cozy feel, but we want the mechanics to be different. But we also want it to be familiar. So you do have those edges. And of course, it's still an enormous space that you could build in. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, that that the, it doesn't just design itself once you've decided what game you want. But you, at least you you know how to get closer now what to measure yourself right, against. Right, right, right. That's a, no, that's a good point. What are some of the things that you, uh, speaking on the opposite side of there, like what are some things that are, I, I mean, some of these I think are going to be obvious, but I, I want to hear your perspective. <laughs> like what are the things that really jump out at you as, as big no-nos that you're trying to stay away from when it comes to, you know, I'm, I'm going for a cozy feeling for this game, you know? Right. And, and I'm curious if those are like, if in general those are mechanics that you dislike or if they're just ones you purposely try and avoid for make when you want a game to feel cozy. Um, I don't know that there's a lot of mechanics that you couldn't use. I mean, I suppose direct combat's probably out for a cozy game. Right. Right. Um, it's more, I think how you approach it. So things like, um, like I said before, not taking things from players, not mm-hmm, letting players mm-hmm. block each other, making opportunities to to kind of mess with people in an unkind way, few and far right. between, if at all. Um, right. I, I think the theme does matter. I think that, that that story you're telling, one of the things that that makes something cozy, I think, is that people can really resonate with those experiences i think they're really ordinary so you know in creature comforts people get so excited when they build a quilt and a cup of tea in a rocking chair because i know that that is a great combo if i had a good novel mm-hmm. like i'm set yeah, for the yeah. evening right yeah. it's really really ordinary but it's also that means it's really universal that sense yep. of comfort and safety and mm-hmm. those sort of down-to-earth things and you know imagining being like <sighs> some emperor or whatever that that's outside of our realm of experience that's not going to feel cozy Mm -hmm. no matter what Mm -hmm. other mechanics and and levers you bring into that experience so you definitely need to be telling a story that that you know whatever way that is people can relate to Mm -hmm. um 
that way. Yeah. That's a really good point. Yeah. That's a really good point. I think being able to relate to something isn't something that I was thinking about, but I mean, if you want to evoke that kind of calm and peaceful feeling of, of that, you know, uh, obviously being able to relate to it is going to make it, you know, easier to do that. I feel like along those same lines, really building something, you know, making something feels, you know, because I think like in general, when we think of crafting or building something, you know, like in a positive way, that, that I think it's that creation that feels good around that. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I I, I do. I think that, that we, we like the idea of, of, creating something i mean that's just part of i think what makes us human among everything else Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and it's very satisfying to put that together like just and something about that feeling of i got the soup and the bread like right right yeah there's an emotional reaction to that like it feels good (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right yeah no and i think that when you've got players wanting to make those choices not because there's a game reason to make it right other than you know hey this these are worth points but like there's no specific combo say to say i need these two things together but you're like well if i'm gonna have soup i would want bread right i definitely want to do that right (laughs) that speaks to me and um yeah i think when you get players invested like that that is really really helpful Mm -hmm. um i think with any game but with this style um I think it's it's easy to get, you know, people invested well, in that that way. I think it draws them into the story and and mm-hmm. and that's that's really central to to feeling that that sense of yeah, cozy and satisfied and all of that. Um as well is 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 having you in the story, not just moving your critter around, but you feel like this is my I am this critter. That's it. Right, right, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like that. Another aspect, you know, when I'm thinking about games like this, thinking of welcoming and welcoming plus, right? These feel like really solid entry points for for gamers who are maybe a little less experienced. And, you know, I, I've talked about this before on the show, gosh, a lot of times, but I feel like when I've been bringing in new gamers to games, theme is one of the things that most consistently was either a positive force or a negative force into making people want to be, want to play the game. And it was really based on, you know, people in general, right? Like, like, you know, overall, like, okay, I don't play games. Therefore, what else am I into that maybe that I am I not into that maybe just game people are into, right? Or like being a game person makes you more likely to be into those things. Right. Um, So I think these themes of like, I'm making a quilt, right? Or like I'm tending a bar uh, or I'm, you know, storing up for winter and, you know, making myself comfortable. Those are things that just feel easy to go. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I could do that. Yeah. Okay. So I'm an animal who's getting ready for winter. Sure. I buy that. Yeah. I think that we're starting to see a lot more, you know, in the last number of years, a lot more broad, um, themes and a lot more creativity going into that because I think there's been mm-hmm. more recognition that there isn't a one size fits all gamer and the no, idea that yeah. everyone wants a dungeon crawler or everyone wants you know lots of dice isn't actually accurate and and you know you you 
you see by the success of games like Wingspan that there's lots mm-hmm. of people who love to play the right game. Mm-hmm. And so the more you can welcome them to the table by having so many different types of of stories to tell, mm-hmm. the more people are going to feel welcome because you know, I I I think back to the very first um game convention I attended um when I first designed Octopus's Garden I was one of about six women at the entire event. Oh yeah. And mm-hmm. and if this is this is, you know, 12 years ago, but it's an amazing and delightful to see how much that has changed and and I think it's it's one of those things that part of it is um more women designing but also more women playing and it's just working together to say, "Hey, let's like look outside the borders of what we've already done. Like we don't need another zombie game. I mean, go ahead, make one. Right, That's right. great. But also we could Cozy have games zombies, about, you know. you know, making a quilt or like, you know, birds or whatever that that turns out lots of people right. regardless of gender are excited about because, oh, hey, this this suits the mood I'm in when I want to play a game." Right, right. Well, and I think too like when you were talking about being there being more women involved in in playing games and designing games but also in publishing games i mean mm, you know absolutely. i mean we see people like helena who've made i mean kids table is is i think one of the best companies out there right now making um just fantastic games um and uh yeah i i i we need more companies like them out there doing that sort of thing and um and absolutely. obviously, I would love to see more. So, what, sorry, what was that? I was just say absolutely. And also, one of the one of the things is that so many publishers. I mean, I think all game publishers are gamers, mm-hmm. and and so starting to see folks like Helena with Kids Table specifically targeting a an audience that isn't specifically themselves, like. Mm-hmm. Lots of, uh, you know, if you're interested enough in games to want to be a publisher, you probably like like really heavy, really, you know, thought intensive games. But -hmm. recognizing that people want to have their kids join them at the table or people like when I designed Octopus's Garden, one of the things in my head was I want a game I could play with my mom. Yes, She's not yes, a gamer. Yes. We play Scrabble and Cribbage and that is all, right? And <laughs> right. and I still want to be able to have a conversation with her while I do it. Mm-hmm. And and so I think that that's where you're seeing that they're they're thinking about, you know, specifically like kids table. That's what they're trying to do. We want to bring kids to the table and and still have games that adults love and they're so mm-hmm. successful because they're really aware of what they're trying to make. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it's funny you should say that about your mom because I, the when I my target audience for when I design games is my wife because we play games together. The weight of games that she enjoys and the theme of games that she enjoys are like they are my target audience. That's who I want to design for. So she's always my first consideration. Like, what would what would Steph think about this game? <laughs> um, and there are times there are times where I purposely design outside of that. Right. Like, mm-hmm. I'm like, you know what? She's not going to care for this style. And that's usually because I'm working with a co-designer who has that interest. And I'm like, yeah, I want to try that. Um, but I also have been very inspired. I grew up playing a lot of games with my mom and she played a lot of the classic card games as well. So a lot of my early games were very inspired by classic card games for that reason, right? Because that's 
that's what you grew up with and you want to be right. able to design games that, that the people you care about are interested in, right? Well, <laughs> that's, that's important. That's why we love games because it lets us sit down with people we care about and have a good time and build those memories. And so, you know, that's, that makes total sense to me. Mm-hmm. You know, another, I was thinking about publishers and stuff. We were talking about how, you had said like a lot of publishers, especially back in the day, publishers are like, oh, I'm into heavier games. So maybe I'm designing games that I like. But I do think that we're also seeing more publishers designing games that they like. But because there's a broader like games for them, but because there's a broader range of people publishing games, mm -hmm. that still gives us a really amazing range. One that pops in my head is somebody we talked to a while back was uh, Amy from Pink Tiger Games. And she's designing games that are like friendly, you know, games like Flatter Me, where it's like a compliment battle or, <laughs> you know, um, you know, that type of thing where you're really the, the types of games she designs are so like out there compared to like the mainstream stuff you're seeing. And I mean, out there in a super positive way, I want to be clear. Mm -hmm. Like they're just like I, I remember talking to her and thinking like none of these ideas would have ever occurred to me and they're fabulous and I want to play them. Right. And so I think that when you have those diverse voices in there um, who like these different styles, it just brings more people to to be interested in those styles of games, right? Yeah, it just brings so much richness. Yeah, yeah. So what type of, you know, I mean, we're talking about the fact that we, we've got more people playing games and different people making games and in, in this diverseness here. What have, what have the reactions been to, to your games? Like, this, obviously... I know that uh, Creature Comforts did very well <laughs> and you're making a sequel. Uh, but what what were the, you know, what have kind of the reactions been to the games that, you know, the cozy style of games? I, I think like with Creature Comforts, we really s keep hearing from just different people how, how they, you know, they've, they played this game, whether it's with their kids or their family or their parents or whoever. And, and what's really neat is everyone finds something different in there to, to sort of latch onto and mm, and love, mm -hmm. and um, actually, my cousin um kickstarted the game because he supports me and he's lovely, and his little ones are like four and six years old, so they're mm -hmm, definitely mm -hmm. too young to play play, but right. they wanted to know, and he told them all the things, and 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 he sent me the sweetest video of these two little girls pulling out the cards and and discussing about well, why is there no winter? Oh, well, we're getting ready for winter, the older one says. And then <laughs> and then they they keep their little role playing and they decided the critters were the elders, that they had to collect food for the elders to keep them safe through winter. Like just, mm -hmm. they were bringing their story, their understanding, you know, from their indigenous culture and building it into this. And I think even the little ones, even just playing with it, I, I was so tickled to see that. Um, and then I like, I have that. a friend who- Every time she plays, she builds a bookshelf because she's just a book nerd. And she will probably lose the game in an order to build that bookshelf <laughs> because that's what brings her joy. And and I think that's really interesting where where people have have found things that I wouldn't have necessarily expected that mm -hmm. to really. That is cool. Through. That's very cool. It's great to see how people connect with that, you know, because obviously, I mean, that's that is why we make games, right, is because. You're trying yeah. to have people have those moments and those connections with the games. I mean, that's what games, that's the magic of games. And so yeah. no matter so what often, style of game it is. 
Yeah, exactly. Every so often, someone who sort of peripherally knows me, so we're connected through some social media, will send me a photo of like, my kid's playing your game and we love it or something. And I'm mm-hmm. like, this is this is the best. Like, keep it coming. Yeah. That's so much fun yep. to see. Yep. I There's one of my first game that I ever designed and published was called Water Balloon Washout. And I self-published it. We printed like a thousand copies. Um, and that was it. And, and I still like be random people that i know will be like they'll see me and they're like oh man just last week my kids were playing water balloon washout man they still love that game and i'm like <laughs> it's just so crazy to me um but it feels good when you know when people say that and i was able to show my kids to how to play it and and they love it and they i mean i think they partly love it because you know their dad designed it right but they love to show it off to people because mm-hmm. and they each have because i had copies left over so they each have like their own personal copy of it <laughs> um that you know they think is super cool and uh and they'll like be like can we give a copy to this teacher and i'm like sure you know <laughs> like so um so yeah it uh it, it i i know what you mean and that is a really really good feeling um and it makes it makes this whole thing feel like you're doing the right thing when that happens right mm-hmm. absolutely yeah well, hey, let's talk a bit about Maple Valley. I want to I want to hear more about that because I'm I'm super excited. Um, so what I know is it's set in Maple Valley, which is the same place that Creature Comforts is set. Correct. Yeah. Yep. And so. Yeah. So what tell, tell us about Maple Valley. So Maple Valley is an, a standalone game. It's not an expansion. Um, mm-hmm. yep, and, yep. and it's set in the same place. Um, and it it's. To anyone who's played Creature Comforts, it's going to feel really familiar on the table. It worked out beautifully where it's going to like, you're going to recognize, oh, okay, I kind of know what might go on. But the actual Mm -hmm. gameplay is very different because instead of worker placement where you're putting out your little, your little critters and they're gathering things you have, you're playing. So the premise of the game is spring is finally here. The spring festival is happening tonight and Mm -hmm. all the critter children have been given, um, basically they're asked to run favors to help prepare for this festival. Mm, so okay. they're running yeah. around the Valley doing things to help, um, to try to make this the best spring festival ever. And so you have one, um, critter and mm-hmm. well, you start with, and, and it's represented. So you have a meeple on the board that you move around, um, because it's more, um, about planning your movement and the way that you're moving is you actually have, you a little you're collecting critter friends in your hand little cards and Mm -hmm. um so you start with two and as the game goes on you can make more friends and add those to your little gang that runs around and works together to to try to put together these favors um and they have different movements so some of them can move on water paths some can only move in the forest or things like that um and then you put these favors together and while you're doing that, when you complete, so say you make um, um, some snacks, then um, when you complete those snacks, you can, um, there's these festivities every game. There's a, three different ones that, that you're trying to complete. And you can put a cube on the festivity to show that you you completed. Um, there's So the snacks would have like a cupcake to show their food. And so you complete oh, cool. that. And, and and there's a limited number on each card. And when, it, when that festivity is complete, um, mm-hmm. Then there's a, a bonus effect. The person who completes it gets like a little extra, but everyone at the table gets some cool thing that happens. So in the parade, you know, nice. um, the critters all march around the valley. And so, you know, just a really um, kind of fun little 
gameplay bonuses but also like the story you're telling is really really cute um just and of course it's kids table right so the art and the and the storytelling has just been so rich in there so you're like oh my goodness like I have a vase and I've got six flowers in it and that's, you know, it's worth points, but also it's like obvious what you're doing and why this is cool. So I'm going to put that on the table and it's going to look really great when we have our feast or whatever we're doing. Right. That's cool. And the artist for this, the, it's the same artist as previously, right? Yeah. Yeah. Shauna, um, Shauna Tenney did both um, of these and uh, such a good job at capturing what we, what story we wanted to tell there. Oh, absolutely. And I've not, seen shauna's work before or I, if i have i didn't know that that's who it was but it just blew me away the artwork when i saw it for creature comforts um so i was excited as i started to see the stuff for maple valley and i was like oh yeah this is this is this is right up there with that oh this is fantastic yeah it's it's fun even just this week we had a few more pieces come through so you know josh is texting them to me and i was just like i am in love with these i just mm-hmm. they're so good <laughs> I'm curious. So if, if you can say like, what, so was this like kids table was like, Hey, let's do another game in this world. Or was it you saying, Hey, I think I've got another game in this world that I would love to do. Or was it a mutual thing? I'm just curious how it came to be. So this one, definitely it was Helena was like, Hey, I'd, I'd love you to do another game in this world can you were like if you insist and and you know it 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 was it was delightful to be asked that but also like so hard because right. creature comforts just everything came together that game is just delightful and people love it and so it, like the bars really kind of mm-hmm. high there right, and right, and i'm right. like oh man like i can't make something that disappoints people who loved this and so you know trying to remind myself like you can do this it's okay you don't have to panic because it was mm-hmm. the first while of like you know the only sort of constraint um was trying to not make another worker placement because Right. Oh, of course. Yeah. No, we don't want to use the same yeah. mechanic, but beyond that, it was pretty wide open. And and I spent the first while really feeling like I was just flailing around. I try this and I try that. And I was just, mm-hmm. you know, and, and uh, once I got it to like 80%, yeah, um, yeah. you know, and then actually what happened was I was out in um, um, Niagara Falls, New York for the gathering of friends and mm-hmm. we sat down and we play tested what it was at and we had this like two hour meeting. It was really short. And, um, and then I got COVID and that was the end of that. But oh, no. um, it was such a pa- uh, productive two hours that Helene is like, Hey, can you fly back to Toronto in a few weeks and we'll just spend a weekend. And, and I, and we did, I flew out nice. and it was so much fun to just, finish the last little steps of getting this game mm-hmm. to where it is um right. and at the end of it we were all so excited because it's like yes this was the game we knew was in here yep. and and yep. that and it was just delightful um so yeah it, it was definitely um i think if i'd have been doing it on my own it would have taken me a lot longer to get to a place that that was comparable because i mean there's nobody better at feedback and development that I've met than Josh. 
Josh yeah, Capel, yeah. he is brilliant. He's amazing. Yeah. He's like, got he's got like too many talents to it just seems unfair, right? Yeah. Like Josh is good at a lot of stuff. Like so much stuff. Like, come on, man. No, it's no. true. It's uh, so it's it's very 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 good. And and I have to say, you know, we did a live playthrough on Tuesday on Facebook mm-hmm. Live yep. of the game, and um, I've been mucking around just doing some last stuff with the solo, and I'm so excited to get this game in my house and be able to play it with my household mm-hmm. because like I don't actually have a fully functional prototype except on tabletop simulator and I'm like uh-huh. come on make this game I want to play yeah it. yeah well that's <laughs> awesome and I love thematically that you said like let's just pick up in spring right you know um we've done the winter now let's or you know we've we prepped for winter yeah. now we've made it through it's spring let's do this um that's really and, cool so I, I guess all this yeah. left oh go ahead go ahead I say initially I did want it in winter, but animals hibernate and right, and so, right, right. You know we may go there yet, but this this game just couldn't work in winter. <laughs> right, 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 right. You need Maple Legacy now, right? Where like <laughs> you play right. Creature Comforts, but like then you like you make it through the winter. You have the Spring Festival. You know, you just you just keep playing like and it just keeps growing on it itself. That's what that's all you got to do is release a release a third game that joins both games together. That's um, right. <laughs> and just play it, you know, forever, basically. So, I mean, it does like to me, uh, the, a cozy style game, even though like I think of legacy games as, you know, like so many of them are brutal, <laughs> right? Like most <laughs> legacy games are brutal. Uh, and the theme and, you know, pandemic or, or risk legacy, the original, you know, that sort of thing. Like those are tough. Like, yeah. but the idea that you're like, Hey, we're just going to keep getting cozier. Even Every Charter year it's going to be cozy. You know, it looked so sweet and cozy, but it, it was mean too. What oh, was that? Yeah. Charter stone. Mm, it, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, even it was, it was, it was like, what, what just happened? <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> But yeah, yeah, so that I think that's the calling there. You have to figure out how to make a cozy legacy game in this world where you just keep uh you just keep making more cozy stuff and living with it. Uh I <laughs> just want to go that. and we'll go stay there. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is it is funny because games like this, they have that like they kind of evoke that feeling of like, can I just live here? Because this seems like I remember Animal Crossing, you know. Animal Crossing New Horizons, as everybody knows, came out like a week after COVID started, right? Yeah. And like, I, um, it was funny because I saw this thing that was like, like 10,000 therapists who have never heard of the word Animal Crossing are finding out about it for the first time, like this week, because (laughs) everyone is playing it. And like, my wife and I credit that to like a lot of our sanity during COVID, um, because every night I would just I would play and she just wanted to watch. So like because it was just so peaceful and yeah. and like we would like dream about like, gosh, what if we could live on this island? Like, you know, I mean, like that's the type of thing. And it just draws you in. And yeah, I think a game exactly. like Creature Comforts does that, too. Like I could be an anthropomorphic animal. Come on. Exactly. I want to make a bookshelf and a quilt. Have some tea. Yep. Soup and bread. I would be the soup and bread person. I like soup and bread. Yep. It's the good stuff. Well, hey, this has been a really, really fun conversation. I'm so glad we got to hang out tonight and chat. Um, 
about about these games and, and coziness in games. Um, I'm super duper excited for Maple Valley to hit Kickstarter, which actually, uh, listeners, I don't want to forget to plug that. That will be coming to Kickstarter on November 15th. So if you're listening to this on launch day, November 14th, then it's tomorrow. If you're listening to this anytime after launch day, you can go right now and back it. Um, this is a game that I'll be certainly a day one backer, just like I was with Creature Comforts. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just been really exciting to talk to you about this. It's one of my favorite things about the podcast is that I can be like, I love this game. I want to talk to the designer. Like, let's <laughs> chat, <laughs> right? Awesome. So, and in this case, it's great because we can help out with the fact that you have another another game coming out. So makes it even better. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It's always fantastic, you know, talking to different folks. I love it. Yeah, for sure. Yes. Well, hey, listeners, I really hope you enjoyed the conversation about Cozy Games, and uh, we thank you for joining us tonight. If you want to get in touch with us, of course, you can go to buildinggamepodcast.com. There you can find a link to our Discord. Uh, please join our Discord. Come hang out with us. Come to our Tuesday night meetups where we chat about accountability and what we've been doing in games. It's super fun. We've got a good group of people that joins that. Uh, hello to all those people. And um, also, feel free to email us at buildinggamepodcast at gmail.com. One of the easier places to find us, at least for now, is on Twitter at PodcastBTG at J.A. Slingerland. And Roberta is at Infinite Roberta. And uh, you can find us there. And of course, you can keep coming back every single week. But until next time, good night. Good night. Building the game, building the game with Jason and friends, with Jason and friends. Building the game, building the game with Jason and friends, with Jason and friends. The end of the episode, that's when it technically ends.